hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Ah, well, good evening. It is good to be with you guys here. Hope you've had a good week, and I hope that uh, your week has had a good you. And um, we are, um, we've got an exciting night in store for you guys tonight, because we are going to be starting a new series tonight. It's Not the End of the World is the name of our series, and it's also consequently the phrase that I use to reassure myself when I see that Sarah's taken the last Tim Tam in the package. <laughs> what we're going to be doing in this series is we are going to be exploring the topic of the end times. <laughs> super, super interesting stuff. Now, there is a whole lot of ideas out there around what the end of the world is going to look like. And asteroid impacts, climate change, and Mayan calendars are just a few ways that people have predicted that the world is going to come to an end. But according to the Bible, the end of the world isn't really the end after all. Rather, it's the period of time in which this present age will transition into the age to come. Now, during that time, Jesus, who once came to the earth as a suffering servant, is going to return as a conquering king. He will judge the living and the dead. He will restore all things, and he will bring about a new heavens and a new earth. It's good news. And this series is going to explore five important questions related to the end times and give what we feel is a general understanding of what uh, some of the things Christians ought to know about the so-called last days. So we're going to be asking things like, what happens after I die? And what happens in the end times and when Jesus comes back? And what do the end times reveal about Jesus? And it's our hope that as we go through this series that you will see that the knowledge of the end times isn't a topic that should be avoided or only discussed by conspiracy theorists, but instead is given by God to us to let us know in advance who wins at the end of the story. The end times is not a story in which all of our hope is lost. It is instead a promise in which all of our hope is meant to be anchored. So before we jump into our first session of the series tonight, will you bow your head and pray with me? So Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the things that you have revealed to us in your word. And Lord, even over the next five weeks, as we take a look at this important topic, I pray that you would stir our hearts with hunger to understand you truly and to understand you fully in this area of truth and in this area of your story. Lord, I pray that as we look at these topics that we will see ourselves as part of something bigger. And Lord, I pray that we will uh, have eyes to see what we could not see before. Pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you as we explore uh, the beauty and the majesty of what is revealed in your word over the course of this series. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, So we're going to be exploring a question tonight, and that question is this. Why should I care about the end times? 
And the answer to that question, believe it or not, actually has a lot in common with learning Kung Fu. If you don't believe me, take a look at the screen behind me. Jiu-jitsu and he taught some of it to me. It's like locks and holds and stuff. So okay, attack me. <clears throat> See that? Feel that? I could break it. I'm choosing not to. It's a pressure lock. Dangerous. Oh, and he also taught me capoeira. So can't touch me. Can't. <laughs> Pick up your jacket. Oh. So basically, Mr. Hahn, what I'm trying to say is, I got a good foundation here. You know, like I said, I'm just, might not be as hard to teach me as other people, you know? Hand it up. Okay. All right, but now? Take it down. You just? Take it down. Put it on. Take it off. I already did Take all this. Take it off. You just tell me why I'm Take doing this? Take it off. Hand it up. Take it down. Put it in the ground. Pick it up. Hang up. Take it down. Put it on. Take it off. Put it on the ground. Pick it up. Hang it up. Take it down. Put it on. Take it off. Hey! So how did it go? What'd you learn? Nothing. So in the movie, The Karate Kid, Dre is trying to learn Kung Fu, Kung Fu from Mr. Han so that he can stand up for himself uh, against the bullies at his school. And at the start of learning Kung Fu, Dre has all sorts of ideas about what he needs to do to learn how to fight. But Mr. Han has a very different idea of what Dre needs. Now imagine if the movie ended right after that scene. That would be weird. It wouldn't make any sense. And you would feel as frustrated as Dre felt when he couldn't see the point of taking his jacket on and off over and over again. And that's because every good story has an ending that gives meaning to the character's journey. Think of the great stories that you know. You've got sweeping epics like The Lord of the Rings or The Odyssey. You've got swooning romances like The Notebook or Pride and Prejudice, that fine Mr. Darcy. 
or action-filled stories like The Hunger Games or the Jason Bourne movies. All of these stories are powerful because they have an ending. There is a finish line that the characters of the story are trying to get to. And the joy of the story is the challenges that they overcome in order to reach that finish line. The ending of the story is what makes everything that the characters go through worth it. Therefore, if there is no end, or if the character can't really see the end, like Drape trying to pick up his jacket, then they will often feel frustrated, they'll feel confused, and they'll feel unsure why they are experiencing what they're experiencing. It is the finish line that gives meaning to the process. And that's true for any good story, and it's also probably true about your story too. You see, you and I are part of a story that is far bigger than ourselves. It is a story that has spanned generations, a story that has carried on as empires have risen and fallen, and it's a story that's seen countless lives transformed over the centuries. It is the story of God's plan for humanity and for us, his people, his church. And that story has a finish line that we have yet to arrive at. One day we will come to that finish line when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to resurrect all of those who have ever loved him into a happily ever after called eternity with God. And if you don't know what that future finish line is and you don't have a clear picture in your mind, then you might just be tempted into thinking that this life is all there is. And you might then feel a little bit confused when the God who you say is good allows you to temporarily go through suffering, through difficulty, and through hardship. Why should we care about the end times? We should care about the end times because what we believe about the end of the story determines how we will live and how we will feel in the chapter that we are in today. So tonight, we're going to unpack two different ways that knowing the end of God's story affects how we will live and how we will feel in the, our lives today. And those two ways are, number one, knowing the end of God's story gives us perspective. And the second one is, knowing the end of God's story gives us peace. So let's start tonight with knowing how, or how, I should say, start with knowing this is a tongue twister. Let's start with how knowing the end of God's story gives us some perspective. So if you got your Bible with you this evening, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 24. So in Matthew 24, Jesus spoke to his followers about some pretty clear signs that indicate his second coming is arriving soon. And he also spoke of some other signs that could point to that, but don't necessarily indicate that his second coming is arriving right away. And these signs of his coming and the signs that are not of his coming are both important for followers of Jesus to understand because they help us to avoid confusion, they help us to avoid deception and offense on our journey through this life. So Jesus wanted to give his followers then and in the future some perspective on the end of the story 
Because unfortunately, life on planet Earth does contain some crises, some disasters, and some difficulties. And if the people of God don't know what to look for, then they might misinterpret things like a famine, or a war, or climate change, or, I don't know, a global pandemic, as a sign that the world is surely coming to an end. So let's get some perspective And let's take a look at Matthew 24, starting in verse 3. You'll see that it reads, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, saying, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars... And rumors of wars, see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. So a key phrase from this passage is the first thing that Jesus says after his disciples ask him what the signs are of his coming and of the end of the age. And that key phrase is, see that no one leads you astray. Why would Jesus say that? Well, I'm guessing Jesus would say that because he knew his people throughout history, including you and I, would have a certain propensity to get confused by crisis and disaster and to be led astray from the truth when we experience those things. So what are the signs that could confuse us and lead us astray? Well, there's people who will come and say, I am the Christ. And you don't have to look far to hear about cults where there's some leader who considers themselves divine and they deceive a whole bunch of people to follow them. You've got Jim Jones, Charles Manson, Ronald McDonald. Might get sued for that one. It's just a joke, Ronald. It's just a joke. And then there's wars and rumors of wars. A lot of people during World War II assumed that the world was ending, and they assumed that Adolf Hitler was probably the Antichrist. But concerning wars and rumors of wars, Jesus said, See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. The end is not yet. So wars, as terrible as they are, are not necessarily a clear sign of Jesus' coming. Then there's famines and earthquakes in various places. Again, famines and earthquakes are terrible things, but they're not those clear signs of Jesus' second coming. So it's important for us to know that, so we don't get confused by those things. So let's carry on to Matthew 24. In verse 9 it says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So what Jesus is saying is that as his followers, we will experience persecution and hatred from other people, even to the point where they might kill us. 
we'll see many people fall away from the faith and false prophets who boldly proclaim falsehoods and call it truth and still there is no end of the story in sight yet yikes this is important for us to get a hold of because it gives some perspective that actually life can get pretty bad and it still isn't a sign that jesus is coming back soon so then what does the passage say next verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come Uh, now we have our first clear sign that gives us some perspective on when jesus will return the greek word used for nations in this verse is ethnos and it speaks of unique people groups so in other words once the great commission that jesus gave to his disciples after he rose from the dead the preaching of the gospel to every tribe tongue people and nation is done then and only then will the end come so it stands the reason then that the status of how many people groups are left in the world to be reached with the gospel is actually possibly a good metric in my personal opinion of determining the closeness or the farness of jesus second coming which by the way i have been in the room with uh, some of the leaders of some of the biggest missions organizations on the planet and heard them speak and state confidently that they believe we are possibly the first generation alive in history who has a shot at completing the great commission within our lifetimes first time ever the internet the jet age and widespread immigration means that suddenly we are able to reach people groups that we have never been able to reach before now i'm not predicting the specific timing of jesus's return but make of that what you will if that interests you and you want to follow that up a bit more if you have the sermon notes down near the bottom i've included a whole bunch of links to some different information about what's happening in the global missions world today but matthew 24 goes on to talk about other clear signs of jesus's soon return things like the abomination of desolation which many scholars seem to believe is some sort of statue or image or an idol that will be set up inside a rebuilt temple in jerusalem by a figure known as the antichrist and uh, we're going to be unpacking that a little bit more later in our series but the point of this passage is that knowing the end of the story gives us some perspective and that perspective protects us from accepting things that are not true as the truth it means that we won't confuse crisis and disasters with signs that the end is nigh and that perspective is important because what we believe about the end of the story determines how we will live and how we will feel in the chapter that we are in today so then if knowing the end of God's story gives us some perspective then how does knowing the end of God's story give us peace well I believe that knowing the end of the story gives us peace because it reminds us that this life is not all there is 
The Apostle Paul knew the end of God's story, and he spoke of the peace that it gave him multiple times. And he spoke of how it carried him through some of the intense difficulties that he faced during his life here on earth. And that guy had a pretty rough go of it. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And again, in Romans 8, near the end of his life, Paul wrote, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is yet to be revealed in us. Man, what did that guy see? What kind of revelation did he have that he could say that after all the suffering and difficulty that he experienced? When Jesus comes back, he is going to restore all of creation. And that includes his people. Means no more cancer, means no more fears, no more broken relationships, and no more tears. You are in a short season called life that really is just the apprenticeship that is preparing you for the life to come. And if you will allow him to, God can take the most difficult things in your life and use them to grow you and to shape you and to mold you into someone you would have never thought possible. You know, going back to our earlier video clip, if you look at Dre, who could not see the purpose in picking up his jacket and putting it on over and over again, it's interesting because Mr. Han had something else in mind the whole time. Let's take a look. I put my jacket on a thousand times. I took it off a thousand times. Okay? This is stupid. I'm done. They can beat me up if they want to. And you know why you only have one student? Because you don't know Kung Fu. So Joy. What? Come here. Check it on. Miss Han, I already check it on. Check it on. I don't have a jacket. Check it on. Remember, always strong. Check it off. Strong. Left foot back. Right feet back. Left feet back. Pick up his jacket. Focus. Always concentrate. Check it off. Kung Fu 
lives in everything we do, Xiao Zhui. He lives in how we put on the jacket, how we take off the jacket. And lives in how we treat people. Everything is Kung Fu. Everything is Kung Fu. Such a great movie. So, in The Karate Kid, once Dre sees the end result of the process that Mr. Han had taken him through, he suddenly had a revelation of the value of that process. And perhaps that principle is true when you're learning Kung Fu, but it is definitely true when it comes to our walk with God. Maybe you haven't had to pick up a jacket a thousand times, but you've gone through the loss of a job, or the loss of a relationship, or the loss of your health. Maybe you face some really difficult things. And if you don't have your eyes clearly fixed on the finish line of where the story of your life is ultimately headed, then it can be easy to drift into confusion, into anxiety, and into fear when you experience those things. You might even find yourself questioning, is God as good as I thought he was? But knowing that Jesus is coming back and that he is preparing us for a life in the age to come reminds us that there is purpose in the process. There is purpose in the pruning and there is purpose in your persevering. And it is the knowledge of that purpose, the knowledge of what awaits us at the end of the story that gives us the power to have peace in all circumstances. After all, what we believe about the end of the story determines how we will live and how we will feel in the chapter that we are in today. Would you guys stand with me? Now, if you're wired like me, then you might find simply talking about the end times to be something that's really interesting. Uh, but if you're wired more like my wife, Sarah, then you might find that talking about the end times or understanding them is maybe a little bit boring. Maybe not the most interesting thing. Or maybe it just doesn't feel all that relevant to you. And if that's you, it's not the end of the world. The topic of the end times is one that can feel really big. It can feel really controversial, really weird, or really irrelevant, depending on your personality. Uh, but I want to issue an invitation to you tonight. And that invitation is this. I want to invite you to say yes to the journey of understanding the end times. You see, God has given us roughly 150 chapters in the Bible that talk about the end times. And so if he didn't think it was important for us to understand them or know about them, then I don't think he would have talked about them nearly that much. And what the Bible tells us about the end times actually reveals something to us about who God is, what his character is like, and about our place in his story. And I believe that our understanding of him 
will actually be incomplete if we don't understand this part of who he is. Now, you're not going to understand the end times overnight. It's a journey that you go on. But I want to invite you to begin that journey tonight. Maybe it's saying yes to studying the book of Revelation. Maybe it's saying yes that over the next four weeks that are left in this series, I'm going to be here. I want to learn more about this topic. Maybe it's just simply going to God in prayer and saying, Lord, I don't really understand all this. And there's all these symbols in the book of Revelation that are confusing. And, but I want to understand it. Give me perspective. Give me insight into this important area of who you are. So that can look like a number of different ways, but I invite you to begin that journey tonight. Can I pray for you? Why don't you close your eyes, hold out your hands, just like you're receiving a gift. Lord God, all of us who are here in this room tonight are a part of this story. And we are here because others have gone before us and have labored and have carried the truth of this message, the message of your word. And Lord, now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to, to hold that baton, to run our leg of this race. And Lord, whether or not we are that generation that lives to see you return, or whether it's our children or our children's children, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to be good stewards of this truth. Lord, that we would carry it with the, the dignity and the weight that it deserves. And I pray that there would be, even tonight, that this would be the beginning of fresh understanding about the end times. And Lord, I pray that as we read our Bible, as we uh, see these, these 150 chapters in our devotional times and, and so on and so forth, Lord, that those chapters would begin to come alive. And we would begin to see the God who is not just a lamb, not just a lion, but who is a lion and a lamb. Lord, we love you tonight. And Lord, as we go back into singing this last song, Lord, I pray that you would stir in us a fresh hunger for your word, a fresh hunger to be men and women of understanding so that we can speak with meaning and with effectiveness to our city and to our generation who needs this truth so much. We entrust ourselves to you tonight, Lord. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.